Chapter 4 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1 by Knut Gershet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 4 The Iron Age. About the beginning of the 5th century BC, iron replaced bronze as the most important metal. Throughout the Bronze Age, the people of the north had been in communication with the countries of southern Europe, and through this intercourse they became acquainted with iron, as they had learned to know bronze in the same way at a still earlier period. The Iron Age may be divided into several quite distinct periods. During the pre-Roman period, embracing the earlier centuries of the era from about 500 BC to the birth of Christ, the influence of the Celtic peoples of Gaul and the Alpine region is especially noticeable, but this influence ceased when the Romans, by extending their sway over Gaul and Britain, came into direct contact with the Germanic world. From that time to the fall of the Roman Empire, the superior Latin civilization exerted a preponderating influence on the development and culture in the north. This period has, therefore, been called the Roman Iron Age. The culture which developed under the influence of Roman civilization unfolded itself of a sudden with a certain gaudy splendor produced by the influx of Roman customs and ideas. Richly ornamented swords, coats of ring mail, metal helmets, spurs, elegantly mounted bridles, and rich trappings for war horses give evidence of the splendor of war accoutrements which now came into use. Silver, lead, zinc, and glass were introduced, and money of Roman coinage makes its appearance. A variety of articles for domestic use, such as elegantly designed vases and drinking horns of glass, metal mirrors, bronze statuettes, strainers, silver goblets, bronze vases, razors, shears, tweezers, and costly ornaments of gold and silver, furnish an even stronger proof of the luxury which had been developed in the north long before the Viking Age. The mode of burial remained much the same as it was in the later Bronze Age. The bodies of the dead, together with weapons and ornaments, were usually burned on a funeral pyre, and the ashes and other remains were deposited in bowl-shaped graves, over which sometimes a mound was thrown up, on which a runestone was placed, bearing the name of the dead. The swords and other articles found in these graves have been damaged by fire. Often they have been purposely bent and twisted, so as to be rendered useless. Sometimes the body was not burned, but was buried with weapons and ornaments in grave chambers made of stone slabs. The contact of the north with the Roman world, though not a direct one, exerted great influence. Trade was greatly stimulated, possibly also shipbuilding and navigation. The great number of Roman coins and other articles of Roman make, brought to Scandinavia by traders, show that a lively intercourse must have been maintained with the provinces of the empire. Shipbuilding reached a high stage of development during this period. In 1863, two boats were unearthed in the Niedombog near Sundeved in Schleswig. Together with 106 swords, 552 spear points, 70 shield bosses, coins, toilet articles, and other objects, among other things, also, a shirt or blouse and a pair of trousers made of woolen cloth were found, which show that trousers were worn at this time. The collection seems to have been deposited by the victors after a battle as a sacrifice to the gods, and is thought to date from about 400 AD. One of the boats is of oak, the other of pine. The oak boat is about 80 feet long and 11 feet wide at the middle. It is made for 14 pairs of oars and is riveted together with iron rivets. It has no mast. The prow and stern are both sharp and of equal height, so that it is difficult to tell which is the rear and which is the front end of the vessel. It is of the same shape as the ships of the Suiones, Swedes, described by Tacitus. The states of the Suiones, Swedes, situated in the ocean itself, are strong in fleets as well as in men and arms. Their ships differ from ours in this respect, that both ends present a front always ready for landing. 
They do not equip their ships with sails, nor do they join the oars and do order to the sides. The oarage is loose, as on certain river boats, and can be changed from one side to the other as circumstances demand. The most striking evidence of the development of culture during this period is the introduction of the runic alphabet and the art of writing. The older runic alphabet consists of 24 characters divided into three equal groups. The first six characters form the word futhark, which is often used instead of the word alphabet to designate the system of runic letters. The resemblance between the runes and the letters of the Latin alphabet is, in several cases, quite apparent, and the Danish scholar L. F. A. Wimmer advanced the theory, which was for some time everywhere accepted, that the runes have been derived from the Latin alphabet, and that they first came into use in southern Germany. The change in the form of the Latin letters was occasioned by the fact that the runes were carved on wood, or cut in stone or metal, which made the use of the angle and straight line much more convenient than the curve or circle. Later the Norwegian scholar Sophus Bugge advanced the theory that they originated among the Goths in the region north of the Black Sea, an idea which gained further support through the investigations of the Swedish archaeologist Bernhard Salen. He showed that the runes must have been brought to the north along the old routes of intercourse between the Black Sea and the Baltic, known to have existed even in the Bronze Age, as they first made their appearance in those regions. Professor von Friesen, of Uppsala University, has since shown that the runes have been derived from a system of Greek letters, the so-called cursive or running hand, which was much used in everyday life in the eastern part of the empire. Of the 24 runes in the older runic alphabet, 15 are surely derived from this Greek alphabet, and five more are, presumably, traceable to the same source. Only four are derived from the Latin alphabet, with which the Goths may have become acquainted in the Latin colony of Dacia, north of the Danube. Runic inscriptions have been found wherever Germanic peoples have dwelt, but they are especially numerous in the Scandinavian countries and in Great Britain. The runic inscriptions on stone are by far the most important, and these are found principally in the Scandinavian countries. 100 inscriptions in the older runic alphabet from 300 to 700 AD are found in Denmark, Norway, and Sweden, some of which are of great length. The language is everywhere the same, showing that, as yet, no difference in speech existed in the three countries. Besides Wolfius' Bible translation and a few loanwords in the Finnish and Lapish languages, these earliest runic inscriptions are the oldest remains in the Germanic tongue that have been preserved to us. As a result of the closer contact of the empire with the Germanic peoples of the north, the Romans became better acquainted with this part of the world hitherto so unknown. The enterprising Greek explorer Pythias from Massilia in southern Gaul made voyages to Britain and northern Europe about 330 B.C. On one of these expeditions, he also visited Thule and the Amber Coast. His own accounts of these voyages have been lost, but brief notices are given by the Greek geographer Strabo in his Geographica, and by Plinius the Elder in Historia Naturalis. According to Pythias, Thule was situated six days sailing from Britain, and one day sailing from the frozen or half-frozen ocean called Mare Cronium. He regards Thule as the most northern country, and relates that summer is a continuous day, and winter a continuous night, there for six months. The people live on hirsay and garden vegetables, as well as on wild fruit and roots. Those who have grain and honey make also a drink from these. When they have cut the grain, they bring it into large houses and thrash it there, because they have no bright sunshine, and thrashing floors in the open would be useless because of excessive rains. Strabo, Libro 4, Chapter 5. That Thule is identical with Norway can scarcely be doubted, but the description given of the people may apply to Britain and the North in general. This was about the only knowledge which the world possessed of Scandinavia prior to the Christian era. 
In the year 40 or 44 AD, Pomponius Mela, a Roman geographer, wrote a book, De Choregraphia, describing the countries of the then known world, in which he also mentioned Scandinavia. This is the first time the name is employed by Roman writers. In that bay which we have called Codanus, Scandinavia is prominent. It is still occupied by the Teutons and surpasses the other islands in fertility and size. Choregraphia 354. Plinius the Elder, 23 to 79 AD, also uses the name in his Historia Naturalis. He had served as cavalry officer in the German campaigns and had visited the shores of the North Sea. He manifests a real interest in Scandinavia, which he believes to be an island, or a group of islands, in the northern sea. There the Mount Cervo, itself of great height, and not lower than the Riphaic Mountains, forms a bay with the promontory of the Cimbri. This bay, which is called Codanus, is full of islands, the most noted of which is Scatinavia, of unknown size. Libro 4.96 There are those who tell of other islands, Scandia, Dumnam, Bergi, Berice, or Neregon, the largest of all, whence one sails to Tyla. One day's sailing from Tyla lies the frozen ocean called Cronium by some. Libro 4.104 The name Scandia is still preserved in Skåne, southern Sweden. Tacitus, in his Germania, written 98 A.D., distinguishes between the Suiones and their neighbors the Sitones. Beyond the Suiones lies another ocean, sluggish and almost without motion, which is thought to terminate and encompass the sphere of the earth, since the light of the setting sun continues so bright till it rises that it makes the stars dim. Germania 44-45 In the 2nd century A.D., Claudius Ptolemy of Alexandria mentions Scandia and Thule. North of the Arcades lies Thule, of which the western part is in the latitude 63 degrees, longitude 29 degrees. Geographia, Libro 2, Chapter 3. East of the Cimbrian Peninsula, the Danish Peninsula, there are four islands called Scandiae. Three indeed are small. The middle one is in the latitude 58 degrees, longitude 41 degrees, 30 minutes. The one which is largest and farthest to the east, near the mouth of the river Vistula, is properly called Scandia. Its western part is inhabited by the Chaitanoi, the eastern part by the Fanonai and the Firasoi. The southern part is occupied by the Gaute and the Dociones, the middle part by the Linonoi. Geographia Libro 2, Chapter 12. These peoples are unknown except the Gaute or Gotar, here mentioned for the first time as the inhabitants of Scandinavia, and the Chaidenoi or Hainar, the inhabitants of Hedemarken in eastern Norway. Denmark and southern Sweden had up to this time been the most densely populated portions of the north, but throughout the Iron Age the population was growing rapidly, and the remoter parts of Norway and Sweden were cleared and settled. Norway, which had hitherto had the smallest population, made gains during this period, which placed her in a more equal footing with the other two northern countries. End of chapter 4